Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Lorna Stam. Lorna is Austin Stam's mom. Austin was also on the show. If you haven't heard his episode, I highly encourage you to listen to it. Austin is phenomenal. And so is his mother. Uh, Lorna reached out to me after hearing Austin's episode. And what I found out is she is an incredible advocate and she knows so much information about the educational system in California and all the work that she did to help Austin on his journey. So we're gonna talk at length today about the biggest lessons that she's learned as a parent helping her son thrive in the educational system. I hope you found that, find this conversation super useful and informative. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get started. Awesome, Lorna. Yes. It's great to see you again. I'm so happy that you agreed to be on the show. It's, um, this is gonna be a really great conversation. You are Austin Stam's mother. He is a podcast guest and I consider him a friend and a fellow you know, collaborator on this journey. And it's just, thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it's just a pleasure. Well, I told you I heard the podcast and I wrote you a fan letter out and you wrote me back. And that's how I met you actually is just being a fangirl. <laughs> True. Well, thank you so much. Um, um, so we are going to, we have a lot to cover and a lot we want to talk about. Um, I really, your, your lived experience and your ability to be a terrific advocate for Austin is going to help so many parents who are listening to the show, future parents, current parents, uh, parents who are already like somewhere in the journey. So I'm just really excited for this and let's get You're started. So. <laughs> you will. I you hope will. so. Um, we'll see. So when, when Austin was born, um, I know he was not diagnosed right away with cerebral palsy, and I know that he had a very mild case. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what were the things that were going on that made you think like, hey, you know, something is happening here where we need to figure it out? And, and what was the experience like with the doctors and, and like what happened? Okay, well, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. And Austin was born like the clouds parted, and I thought he was absolutely perfect, like any good mom. And so did his dad. And it took my mother in law, who'd had three kids and watched them grow. And even before he could walk, before he, he walked around a year old, but before he could walk, she kept saying, There's something up with that kid. You know, he's gawky and he's this and he's that and I was like there's the door no he's like okay you know um thanks tell me what you really think and then it kind of got to me because she's not stupid so I took him to the pediatrician as his dad also wanted him to get evaluated but he wasn't even a year old and he was really chubby and he was super tall and our doctor had six kids of his own and said I think because of his girth and his height he's just gawky and he'll outgrow it. And then I guess when it was preschools where it really became apparent when the teacher wanted to see me and he was about 
three and a half or four, we kind of sent him around that age. And she said, he doesn't turn on the spigots. He doesn't know how to hold a paintbrush. He can't, it's so hard for him to practice writing his name. Like all these fine motor skills were clicking away. And again, I took him back to the pediatrician and mentioned, cause my mother-in-law had prompted me to ask for a neurologist and, um, he didn't think it was warranted. And since Austin was born with a double ear infection, they had to operate at six weeks. And by three and a half or four, he'd had two or three surgeries already. I was kind of overwhelmed and I didn't really want to hear any more bad news and then neither did his dad. And so we're just like, we'll listen to the pediatrician. But um, it got worse and worse. And by the time he graduated um, nursery school, I can't remember from me like being donating time in the class in the nursery school and seeing how the other kids were I was getting you know kind of information oh there is probably a little problem here and um I don't remember if it was before or right when kindergarten started but somewhere in the first before or the beginning of kindergarten I requested an IEP because um, I wanted to get more other eyes on this. And if we weren't gonna do a neurologist, which we both, me and um, Austin's dad, were not ready for that. Um, so we got an IEP and a lot of that is parents connecting with other parents if they can, talking to them. If you see other parents, you know, kind of conveying to you that their kids have a problem, you know, open your ears and listen because sharing all that information with other parents even led me to know, oh, there is such a thing like an IEP that you can call and, and get some evaluation and help on. So and for people, for people who don't know, Lorna, what is an IEP? It's an individualized education. Um, is it a program? Is that the, I think so, individualized education program. And that's where um, if you feel there's a problem with your child, they have a form, you write it out, you present it to the teacher. It, it's been a while since I've done it, but that's how it worked in my day. And then they have a certain amount of days legally to address it. And um, you know, you get to air your concerns. And then from there, they go and uh, test your child through the school system if you're in a public school. And then you all convene back and um, see if you're on board and the parents can sign off on if the child, for instance, gets speech or maybe resource or extra time, whatever they're suggesting, the parents can either sign off and say, yes, I'm on board with this or no, or maybe even go outside of that, do their own testing and see if it matches and kind of get their own feel of what's going on, depending on their level of comfort. So you you decided to to apply for this IEP and fill out the form. Yes, and get the IEP done, and then tell them I got to voice what I thought was going on. They did a bunch of um, I think they have is it thirty days or sixty days to test. And as I said, it's been a while since Austin was little and had IEP, so I'm kind of forgetting um, the amount of days or all the different. And they may have changed, you know, legally since I. Um, was used to having them. But at the end of the day, they thought he needed speech therapy. He had a little bit of a lisp, which we, we, we had already known, known that from the ears. So I actually, you know what? It, what? Now it's coming back. It was before kindergarten. I requested that the speech be 
we were doing it at home privately and I wanted it mirrored in the classroom starting in kindergarten. So I had my first IEP before kindergarten started. That's what happened. And then from the speech and the speech impediment, I also mentioned the fine motor skills and all that. And so they wanted to put him in speech a couple of times a week at school and we still continue because we were lucky. Um, you know, I, we had made the decision for me to stay home and raise him. So we were lucky someone was home with him and we were very lucky that I could work in the classroom and also see other kids and how they were doing on their little, you know, hitting their marks, you know, neurologically and every other way educationally and kind of see what was what with Austin contextually. Okay. And was it, was it through, was it through this IEP program that you eventually, you know, discovered that he had, you know, mild cerebral palsy? Yeah, well, the more, um, the, when when it came back, but he was so um, not on his marks or whatever they call it for his age, for his fine motor skills were really, really lacking. Then that was like the wake up call. And by then he was almost six. It was like towards the end of kindergarten. And that's when we got, um, he was actually in kindergarten when we went to a neurologist they did a brain MRI and they said, yes, he's got the two hemispheres are distinct. One's a lot bigger than the other. And they kind of showed me, um, you know, what to look for as far as what he would be strong at and what he would be weak at, you know, as far as his um, learning problems and stuff. And he, he was very good at, um, you know, comprehension and yet he couldn't spell at all. He was like vastly different on the test. He would be like, like a three or like under 10 for um, spelling. And then he was like 97 for speech comp and for the level of those vocab vocabulary. So those vast differences um, are a clear indication of a learning disability. Gotcha. And yeah. I, I know this is a common, unfortunately a common theme with a lot of our guests and with me too, but um, I think you had mentioned, and again, I don't, we don't need to dive too deeply into this, but at least I want it, I want it to be put out there to show the consistency and how, um, how so many medical professionals keep, you know, under, oh yeah, you know, right, under, like, under appreciating what we're capable of, right, like they, they did not give you a, uh, a very positive no. prediction as to no, what Austin was going to do, was it, that was going to be capable of doing. Yes, and they very, very much push, push resource, and he was in resource a couple of years, and um, at first he didn't mind it, and then it got to be where um, this one woman was actually treating him, he said, like a dog, because we had a dog at home, and rewarding him with treats, if he got things right, and here's a cookie for you, Austin, or a potato chip, or whatever, you know, um, if you get, if, if you do what she was asking him to do correctly, he said, I'm missing valuable time in the classroom, and he was, like, very young, like, and he, and the school argued with me, because I went to this IEP, and I said, I want to pull resource, I'm not signing off on it again, when they suggested it, and they said, you're going to regret it, his grades are going to go down, and they shot up, because he needed that time in the class and the resource was doing nothing. And he made fun of her and said, she talks really soft and she goes on her knees and she thinks I'm like really slow, like a baby. And he was just very um, kind of um, 
what's the word demeaned by it he felt demeaned you know and that wasn't a good place for someone who's got labels to feel more demeaned by the person that's supposed to be helping them which is another sometimes sad thing that happens with certain people trying to help yep so i mean clearly clearly we know we know austin now is an incredibly smart <clears throat> driven human being but clearly he was uh, he was very intelligent and perceptive as as a young boy too to be able to to feel that and know like you know like no i need more time in the classroom that's what i'm missing out on and you listen and, we, and, and that's the thing with parents is i think all our kids are so much so you know i think their eq usually is pretty good you know uh, they, they, their innate intelligence they they are able it's the parents or the people around them who have to listen and be receptive and understand even though they may look adorable and really little they they know what they're talking about and um when he told me and i think um you know i'm not special i think most moms and dads would listen to their child when they're saying i feel this way you know and um to not second guess the feelings and and you know and i actually went in and observed you know the woman and i even had a little talk with her before i pulled it but she was pretty emphatic that that's the way she worked that the reward system was you know ingrained into her and she thought it was a good idea right even though even despite feedback to the contrary she was right she did not think she dug her feet in and seemed to think that that was you know you know, I was probably, you know, a thorn in her side and probably upsetting her and, um, you know, she didn't want to hear it. So. Gotcha. I liked her. She liked me, but we, you know, it wasn't like we parted ways. I think that's another thing is um, that parents, um, if you get too strident, you know, people turn off that you have to still be open and receptive. Um, Austin's dad um, was asked not to be at the IEPs after a while because, and it was for, he was just like a bulldog with his kid. He was very protective and we are all like that, but we have to tone that down somewhat to sometimes receive information maybe we don't want to hear and maybe it's correct and maybe it's not. But I just think my advice to other parents going through this is not to be too strident and to try and just be open to everything because it's a whole learning process for the people around the child and for the parent and the kid itself and you don't and nobody really knows like what the what the right answers are when you're going exactly. through it and, and what's going to work so it's it's really you know it's really difficult and and you have to just um i know with with my parents it was you know there was a lot of uncertainty and they couldn't hide it and they didn't know like yeah, how am I going to react to being in a classroom and to being with other kids and having these mobility issues? So, they, and how was it for you? Like, did were you able to talk to them and feel heard? Yeah, absolutely. They always, they were very good at that, and um, I was not afraid of speaking out and speaking up. So, if I was, that you know, that's where I think it could probably be a lot more challenging for parents when when people when the child is probably a lot more introverted or doesn't doesn't know how to communicate what they're feeling or what they're going through then i think that's that's going to be a whole other layer of complexity i i totally agree and i've actually seen that and it hurts my heart to talk about but i have seen kids up close and personal tell their parents things about 
you know, kids with, with um, whatever their disability is and tell their parents what's going on. And the parents go, you don't really mean that this is really good for you. The schools or the teacher said, or the school said, and I think it's really important to be careful for your words because you want that input from the child. And if you discount it at an early age, they're gonna be really resident, rest, I can't say that word, but you know, you're resident to, to talk to you about it and to discuss their feelings if they're shot down. So I always, but the, and the same goes for the people around helping them. You don't want to turn them off. You want to be open to them. A lot of them are very young and um, they, you don't want to come off like, well, I'm older than you. I know better. And you don't always know better. You know, I learn from them all the time, you know? So it's a two-way street with everyone. I think it's like life, just be open and loving, take it in and then see, you know, how you feel about it. Yeah. But when you, when you did decide to cut um, that, that, that program and you did move forward um, and you saw his grades going up, then it, it obviously validated the decision and it made sense. So you were also able to, again, it's such a fine line and you, you and your, your husband and Austin did such a great job of it because you said, you know what, we, we have this feeling or in our gut, like we have to, this is what we think is correct and we're going to go with it and we're going to fight for this even though the quote unquote oh, experts are telling us otherwise. And thank goodness, um, I don't want to at all demean um, Austin's dad. He was very loving and very helpful. He just was a little too helpful in the sense that, you know, um, especially because most of the people were women and they got a little intimidated by a man being very intense, you know, about their feelings about their kid, which is totally understandable. So I, after a couple of years, I was the one going in and representing unless I really needed a bulldog. And then I'd be like, hey, come back here. I need you but for the most part I did it you know and I I think that um it, it is really important listening is really important you know on this journey for people and it's Absolutely. you hear really hard things and some of them you have to just go like you know like I shared with you Austin we were told Austin would never do sports he, he, he would never drive. All kinds of things are thrown at you. You don't have to take that in. I mean, there's certain things you shouldn't take in that you should question. You know, you have to listen, but at the end of the day, you have to listen to your heart and you know your kid best. Yep. And you know that they don't, they don't know, like they don't, maybe, you know, sure you can say, okay, well, Austin may not be a professional athlete like me. Like I, you know, like we know, we know there's certain there's certain limits, but we don't know what to what degree we're actually going to be limited until we try and until we do it and until we experiment and see what happens. Exactly, and that's another thing parents can do is when you are shot down. Uh, we both took them and we played, especially um, Austin's dad would play soccer with them all the time. When we had a babysitter, we'd encourage them to be in the backyard playing soccer. Maybe soccer's his game. For him, it was like a stroll in the park and if the ball was there, he'd be like, oh, there's a ball. I'll either throw it or kick it. So that was not a good fit for him, but basketball, he loved. So basketball, it was, and we all played it. We had like um, a little court. And, you know, I think if the parents first start at home, if you are told your kid can't do a sport and keep playing the sport at home, you know, because you were playing basketball. Yeah. 
you know like, and did you start at home i did we had um it was a uh, one of my father's co-workers uh grew up playing basketball and he we became like really close family friends he's like uh he's like an uncle from another another mother and uh, we're still in touch today and he loved basketball played in high school tried to play in college and you know he had dreams of making it in the nba he never did but he taught us he taught us how to play and we took to it and and it was just something that stayed with us like i coached basketball you know right. i played you basketball right so it was he gave you the self-esteem to know you could do it right like him playing with you gave you that so that you could go into a venue with other people watching and feel comfortable Yep, absolutely. Or right. yeah, he gave he gave me the courage to try and, and exactly. And that's what yeah. parents, when they are shot down at something, perhaps, you know, you don't want to put I didn't want to quickly put Austin on a team, go, I'll show you, and then have him, you know, get the whatever kicked out of him. So we did it at home and got him used to it and he and made sure he liked it. It wasn't supposed to be a punishment. And then, you know, then we put him on a team and you know, he wasn't ever a basketball star, but he he enjoyed it. It was good for him. And I think sports in general teaches you so much more than the sport itself, that that's invaluable, you know, just showing up and being responsible and being on a team and sharing the ball and all that good stuff. Oh yeah. You learn how to play with other, you, with other people and you learn how to put the yeah. team, you know, what, what does it mean to put the team first and what's best for the team? And, and there's so, yeah, there's so much, much. confidence building, resilience, fun, uh, discipline, all kinds of things that you can learn from team sports. It's huge. And especially you had a brother, but he was a, a, an only child. And I knew intuitively that that was not, I did not want to raise an only child syndrome, bratty, selfish person. So I constantly was looking for him to, that's why he started volunteering at seven. And like, I just wanted him to know that he needed to share and give back. And that's why we're here. And it's hard to teach an only child that unless you make them do it. And so we always had kids in the house, you know, um, we had, my sister has two kids. One of them was always spending the night. He had a best friend that was always spending the night and um, sharing was very encouraged, um, you know, at the park or anywhere. And team sports is a great place to learn that. Absolutely. I think it's also um, as a, as an interesting kind of tangent here, and then we'll go back to the, sure. to the schooling system, but you also, taught him how to meditate oh yeah that was my um his dad because the school actually it was in about um second grade he had um been diagnosed with adhd not the kind where you're disruptive but um the kind where you daydream a lot and kind of check out and um the first thing was to buy him a little wiggle seat because when he wiggled it kind of kept him centered but he still was a little bit um you know, they didn't think he was there from his homework. I could tell he was there, but they didn't think he looked like he was there, you know, but he was. And so they sent us at the um, IEP, they suggested him very strongly that we see the psychiatrist. He was in Westwood and we went um, as a couple, we bought Austin once or twice and we, they wanted him on Ridlin at the time. And we were vehemently opposed to that and, um, we, my um, Austin's dad researched what 
alternatives. And one of them was um, meditation. And he couldn't have screens unless he meditated. And it was little increments, like maybe five minutes, then 10 minutes. Pretty soon he was up to 30 minutes a day. And he wasn't that old and he actually enjoyed it. And when he would have any kind of stressors at night, and he was having a problem sleeping and rubbing his back or singing wasn't working, just saying, hey, wanna try meditating and that would help calm him down. And he still does it today. That's amazing. Um, yeah. was, was, it a personal, was it a personal reason or was it like the side effects of the Ritalin that you, you just- you It was you really personal. I, 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 um, I, I, been drawn to Eastern um, philosophy and religion when I was about 13 or 14. And um, I was meditating at that age for a while. Um, and I go in and out of it my whole life and, and prayer too. And my um, Austin's dad and I bonded very quickly over our um, love of what that can do, just the inner peace and, um, you know, so, and all the, we read a lot of the same books. So we were very much on the same page, but he was way more evolved and into it than I'll ever be, honestly. And he, and Austin adored him. So he was a good role model for us and they could do it together. And um, even the dog got covered. <laughs> he, the dog <laughs> always searched the room, anyone's meditating and just kind of soak up the bliss. So that was me. That is that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it, it again, it just shows it shows your willingness to explore and to bring in, you know, to try new things and to see to see if he, like does he like it? Does he respond to it? Is it something that he's gonna enjoy? And now he has something that spiritually is going to help him psychologically helps him and it's like it's just a tremendous tool in his in his in his tool belt but also something that obviously has deeper meaning too but at the very least it's a really powerful tool that he can use to to help his to help him for the rest of his life yeah i think it's important for everybody to um and i don't want to get preachy here but to know that you know, we're here for a reason. We have a purpose bigger than ourselves. And also we have some kind of something we can call bigger than ourselves. I don't care what you call it to tap into, to help you through any trying times. And I wanted to give that to Austin at a really young age, even, even if he never had any diagnosis, but he had plenty of labels. Um, and so I just think it's important for um, every child. And I, like I said, I don't care what the religion is and the, or you can be agnostic, but just something bigger than yourself and a bigger purpose and something you can tap into to, you know, to realize that. Absolutely. That's, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, and that's great to hear. And, and then um, because of that, he did not ever need to take any medications. No, for he didn't. No, and the psychiatrist, um, yeah, that profession is not my favorite, but he was saying to us as we were leaving, you, gotta, you guys are going to regret this. You'll be back begging for Ridlin in a couple months. I'm telling you. And we, we never like flaunted it at him or, or the school, but we just, he never went on it. He sometimes begs me to go on it, but that's all. We'll do that another time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you know what? That's where that's too like as a 
as a professional, and I know that doctors and, and people who are supposed to be experts at something or who are experts in the field, when they give advice and people don't follow that advice, it's very easy to take it personally and to kind of lash out. And it's really not, you know, it's, it's unfortunate and it's not really needed. I think there's, there's a deeper layer of understanding there is like, okay, well, why, why are they not do, why are they not following the advice? Maybe there's another reason I don't need to be personally offended and try to put guilt or shame on the parents or on whoever it is, the client, the, the patient. I, I'm just going to reflect on that and figure out why maybe this advice wasn't taken as opposed to, oh, you're going to regret this. This is going to be, this is a terrible decision. Like there's, there's just no need for that. Yeah, we never saw him again. In fact, I better clarify when I say he he tells me, I meant Austin asked me to be on, no therapist or anyone ever asked me to be on Ritalin, but Austin teases me because I have a ton of energy and he's like, you're the one who needs Ritalin. But yeah, no, we he never went on it. And I think it's important for parents when they are telling their kids, I don't care if it's Prozac, Ritalin, whatever it is, I, all of them serve a really good purpose. But I think if you have your intuition is not jiving with what the doctor's saying, at least get a second or third opinion and don't question your intuition and just give it to them and think, well, they're God or they're, they have a, you know, a doctorate and, and they must know what they're doing because at the end of the day, you're the one who knows more about your kid than anyone. Right. And that really ties into the theme of the teachers and the educators, right? Like they, we, it's easy to assume that a teacher or the school system has the best interests of our children at heart when in fact that's not that's not the case all the time or maybe it's never the case I don't know we don't need to go there but at least we can we can clearly say in your experience and in my experience that's not always the case. And we need to be careful of that. And we need to trust our intuition. And you know, what's interesting about that piggybacking off that is that there are some great people out there and the way the system is set up, I'll be honest, um, Austin's uh, fourth grade teacher was the one who alerted me. She said, he's so bright, but he's never going to get to his potential unless you get him out of the public school system. He's too slow. And then she, came after class and showed us because he had been bullied um I think he told that story but he, and she showed us math tests because he thought he was horrible at math of she said pick who you think is the smartest in the class and it was two boys and she um she you know covered their names and everything and said I know you like look at their tests and you know they had got some things wrong and um Austin they got the, but they answered like 20 questions. Austin only answered 10 and he maybe got one wrong. And he goes, she goes, you're not, you're very smart. You just go a little slower, but you get there. And that's why she thought because he is processes very slow that another setting would be better. And then she said to me, which I gave me goosebumps and I never forgot it. Please don't tell anybody you heard this from me, especially at the IEP. I'm not supposed to be telling you to pull them out of public school. And that was kind of bone shelling because that says a lot. And she, you know, even went into the whole thing of her husband, what he did for a living and that teachers don't make a lot of money and she can't be jeopardized. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for both of us, 
you know, for her to have to tell me to keep it a secret, especially at the IEP and not tell the principal, not tell anyone. And, and for her to be feeling that she really liked my son and jeopardized herself. And of course I never betrayed her, but I was pretty horrified. And I was thinking, what about all the other parents who she's not telling this to, who she's too afraid and all the other teachers who are keeping it to themselves, thinking that there's better, you know, um, schools, excuse me, or, or places their children should be, and they can't say anything, their hands are tied, you know? Yeah, I think, I think whenever we get into, like, these bureaucratic, big, like, systems, right, you have, that's bound to happen on some level, for better or worse, and, and it was brave of her to say that, and it's yeah. a, it's great that she did and she she helped you she helped open your eyes to understand hey wait a minute this this school system is its own kind of thing right it's running on its own incentives and structures and and it's not necessary it doesn't necessarily have the best interests of my son in mind well, actually, she gave me the name of that's the school where another kid had transferred to and done really well, which is where Austin ended up. So she was the, that was the first time I heard it was from her. And she said, never tell anybody, you know, about this. So and, you so, know, and that school was Westmark. Correct? Yes. Yeah. And, and so what was that process like of getting into Westmark and, and what was, you know, what, what were some of the the constraints and challenges in that process? Well, for one thing, it's an, it was an, a process because at the time, and it's heartbreaking to say this, but at the time they did take kids in public schools and put them there and fund them if they first put them through their paces and if they proved that and deemed the children met all the marks that, that they would fund them. But if you didn't, then it was like $30,000. It was insanely expensive. And uh, we thought Awesome would ace it because he was so slow. We thought, oh, no problem. He'll get in and he'll get funded. He did not. And um, I was his advocate for um, a while. And then we had to switch to an attorney to get him funding for that. Um, and that didn't even help. And we, we, it was a mess um, for a long time. But um, you're asking the process to get them in there. Are you talking about the funding or just getting them into Westmark? Both, I guess you're talking both, about getting so Initially, I don't know how Westmark, Westmark works now, but when Austin was going to get in, they actually go and observe the, ch the children in the classroom setting of the school that they're in. So once or twice, Westmark actually observed them because they weren't take, they didn't have any teacher's aides. They didn't want disruptive um, people disrupting the class. And maybe it's because he had ADHD already labeled on him that they were nervous, but he was very good citizen in classroom settings. He has a really, um, we raised him very polite and have a healthy respect for authority. So he did good in that aspect and he was taken in. But um, they, it was kind of sad because it just focused on kids with learning disabilities. They really didn't want, and I won't name them because I don't think it's really even nice to say, but they had a whole list of kids they didn't want and then another what they were looking for. And he fit the criteria so he got in but he did not get funded for a couple of years and thank god for austin's grandparents um grandpa arthur and marilyn um his 
amazing wife. They adore Austin and they um, helped us a lot with um, finances, with, you know, trying to lawyers and, and also just the funding for Westmark and just a lot of stuff. You know, it was, um, I, I just, my heart leads for people. That's what you and I were talking about, that if you have money, things are a lot easier for your kids and they can go far. And I would love to help anyone navigate this who doesn't have deep pockets because there's so many kids falling through the cracks that could be way high up at the at the top in, in government and everywhere you know um, I don't know if that's really an aspiration nowadays but whatever they could really be helping out and um you know that they're, they're lost because their parents don't have the money and, and and the wherewithal and that's just heartbreaking no it really is it shouldn't be it's unfortunate like it's it's there's so much human potential, whether you have a disability or whether you don't have a disability, there's so much human potential that we lose every day. Every day. Right? Every day. And it's really, it's really sad. It's, it's partially, it inspires me a lot, it, or I should say it drives me a lot because that's what I, one of the things I really want to do is to help recover some of that potential and for people to see how much potential is being wasted and thrown out the window because well, for a lot of reasons but I agree 100 percent yeah I mean I I shared with you the story about a little guy in Austin's kindergarten class who clearly was on the spectrum and needed a lot of intervention and help and how back then I went and tried to help with the parents but my Spanish was horrible and then I called the board of ed to get them and to get it in English and then back then they didn't even want it in English they said it was bad enough I knew my rights and that they didn't really want a lady who also didn't want to go on record who I called a bunch of numbers at the board of ed she said that at the time which now hopefully is totally changed and they do have it written out how to get an IEP in different languages and everything but that's what I was told then and there was also I hope that's changed um I'm sure somebody in the in the audience some of our listeners can can email us and chime in and and make sure and we can verify that but what what is the there was also like this this big challenge to get Austin the time that he needed for his tests, right? Oh, the time right. that he needed yeah. to, to learn what he, to, to, well, to accurately reflect how much he had actually learned and what he was capable of, right? Well, one thing parents should watch out for is when you're doing the IEPs and the school does give you the tests, this, to be aware um, that those tests are so the schools will spend the least amount of money and still meet the mandates of the IEP. So they want to give you the least amount of services like Austin needed OT, PT, speech. Um, he had to have, you know, just, um, I'm trying to think he had someone at PE because of his, you know, his uh, fine motor coordination. It was a lot. And we, a lot of it, we were mirroring at home, but um, they want to give you the least amount. And one time he came home and the occupational therapist was new. Um, she had just graduated UC, she was lovely, but he was saying how nice she was because when he didn't do his shapes, he got to erase everything and make it look better. And 
I knew that you're not supposed to be able to do that. It's supposed to be the kid's raw talent and not letting him labor at it to see how good he can get it. And I was always, that's another reason, even if you have an advocate, just be there, be at the IEPs. And I mentioned, I said, I played dumb. It's not hard for me, but I'm like, wait, why was he allowed to erase? And um, that seems a little counterproductive to see what he can do. And the head person said he he can't erase. And um, he did. And the, the person verified. She was lovely and did not lie about it and said, yeah, I felt bad for him. And he was having such a tough time, which is why he was there. So I just want parents to realize to be present at the IEPs. And when you get your kid back from one and they've been tested, ask questions. I asked a lot of questions. You know, did they time you? Do you remember the timer going off? You know, were you using, a, if you're making art, like what did you use your eraser? Just ask a lot of questions. And, and be aware that they don't want to give you services and make sure you don't sign off on that IEP. I did not, and this is with no attorneys or advocates. Like I said, I was his advocate for a lot of IEPs with no one else around. And if I was uncomfortable and needed some counsel, I would just say, I'm not signing this. I'm not comfortable and walk out. And yeah, they're going to be upset. And they're going to say, now it's going to take longer. You're not going to have your services, whatever. But, you know, it serves you better at the end of the day, because when you go back, you'll probably get more than what they were giving you to begin with. And you'll be in a better place. Plus, you gain a little respect, usually. Absolutely. And that's 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 great advice. And that that applies to so many so many areas of life where people try to pressure you into something and you're you just you feel that discomfort inside and it's like well you know yeah i'm gonna sign this or it's okay i'm gonna take this but trust trust again trust your gut if you if it doesn't feel right if something feels off and you can't put it into words yet wait don't do anything and and figure it out afterwards yes i mean it, it terrifies me because millennials are having babies and I still am old school and I'll go on a website and the cookies come up. I'll look for my preferences and like, you know, read everything and make it. And I know it's nuts and I'm, you know, people laugh, but I imagine the millennials just signing off on everything because they're so used to having no rights. And like, you know, everyone's looking at them 24 seven and I just go, wow, I wonder what they're like at IEP. Cause you don't want to sign off on stuff, you know, read it. Yep. Well, I have a good friend who's a millennial who um, is, is an old soul and he's very, very gifted with technology and he understands all of the, a lot of the privacy risks and what you're giving away when you sign a lot of those forms. So he reads all of those contracts and all of those agreements every single time till the end. So don't feel bad. That's actually the smart thing to do. Well, I don't know. I don't do that. I'd probably be dead if I did that. I mean, <laughs> to him, but I do the best I can. But I'm, um, and I know people, you know, my age who are even more careful than I am. And I have Alexa and people, you know, and I'm like, I don't care. You know, I don't think anyone's going to come after me, but some people are nervous about, you know, having Alexa. So I get it. Yeah. What I would say with Alexa is if you're ever having a very serious conversation uh, that you want to remain private, just turn it off. She's on now. So we're that's fine. We're good. You need to know we're not here tomorrow. What happened to us? It was Alexa. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know where uh, to you're, you're gonna start getting advertisements tomorrow for you know how to for school funding is what Alexa is gonna do right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my prediction. You can let me know if that's right. Okay. Um, so the so kind of getting shifting back a little bit. You did end up fighting the good fight. You got Austin the time he needed to take his tests. With a lot of help, like I said, especially from the grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Financially, I mean, Pete, that's what yeah. my pet peeve is, but yes. Yeah. And and you think if if the Obviously, if the financial help wasn't there, you wouldn't have been able to. Are, no. There must be there must be attorneys who do who do pro bono work though too, right? Um, the, it was really hard to find in the beginning, and um, you know, it, well, the woman Valerie Vanneman, she's very well known in the community. God bless her, and she used to work for the. Um, board of ed and then she switched and was against them and she's the one um, at a very early age when I bought Austin's first testing score said this kid's really bright and he's never going anywhere she I told her what the teacher said and she totally concurred with what his teacher told me and um, she did do it like she, if she felt you really had a good case um, she would, you know, she, if she, I forget how it worked, but I think it was contingency if she felt it really merited. I, that's how she did it. But, you know, she can only take so many cases and there's only so many angels like her out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, we'll, we'll get back to that a little bit later because it is. And then it goes when you win or something. I forget, but it's hard. It it's is hard. Hard and they it have to hard. change. They have to really change the way the whole system works and make it more like everything in this world, but make it more equitable for the haves and the have-nots and because it's ridiculous. Yeah, I really want to have um, somebody uh, in the educational system, you know, either from one of the Nordic countries, whether it's Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, because I really want to, I, I do have a colleague, like I said, who, um, grew up there and his son is going through the educational system there. Um, the whole attitude towards education is just very, very, very different over there. It's, it's, and so I, I would like to have some, some experts in those areas, especially around disability, learning disabilities to see how they how they look at it, how they how they work with those students, and what kind of support they give them through the educational system, because I think we have a lot to learn from them. Well, I think that they're like a little bit ahead of us as far as being enlightened and knowing that um, health and education breeds happiness, and so their education is free and their health is free, and and that's why your friends are probably doing a lot better there, and it's much more equitable, correct? So his son, yeah, I mean, he, his son is doing, he doesn't have a disability, but um, growing up in Denmark, he's a big proponent. Like he, he loves the educational system. He loves the, like he had a great experience. He had a great university education. He's a really smart man. And he said he had the opportunity, he's working in California now, and he had the opportunity to bring his family over. And he said, you know, no, like the, you know, I can pay $30,000 a year. Like, I don't know if he can afford it, but 
I can pay 30,000, whatever it is right now for a private high school in California, it might be more than that, who knows, but um, I can pay that for a private school in California and that, that school is not gonna be as good as what my son is getting in Denmark right now. I believe it, I totally believe it because they have their value system so much, you know, yeah. light years ahead of us, you know, yeah. it's crazy how, how we education and just um, our health, everything is so low on the totem pole, it's, uh, you know, money here just rules everything and the people with money, you know, rule us, so. I don't want to get off the tangent. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I totally, I keep telling Austin, go get a job outside the United States and then I'll follow you and somehow I'll just keep staying there and retire wherever you are because don't be in the United States. You know, it's going to be, I don't have a good feeling about what's going on here at all. There's a lot of things that seem to be moving in the wrong direction but you know this this country also um gave us the opportunity yes i know we were privileged uh, me and austin and i know that we were um we had advantages that a lot of other people don't but nevertheless i still feel a, a gratitude and i want to try to help change things because we were given the opportunity to do something, to be somebody, to to grow and flourish and to to educate, you know, to get educated, well, I agree. And to have, I mean, have I careers. The, yeah. I do you a lot. I think it's just I, I wish we could back, get back to where we were, you know, and like where we're going is scary. But um, yep, yeah, yep. I mean, this it's it, our freedoms and all that, you know, I'm not trying to negate that. I think it's more with education and health that I get in my little soapbox and wish we were doing oh, yeah. that. It's really, yes, it's a real, they're real problems. We have not, we've done a lot of things incorrectly there for sure. Right, yeah. Um, so I just want parents to know also that um, if your kid can't write and everything, a computer, like there was some kind of computer given to Austin um, that I didn't even know where it can't get on the internet, um, but you little kids who can't use their hands to write, you know, well with, um, for whatever reason, um, I don't do that. He was referencing it, but there's all kinds of, I just want them to know he had a weighted pen, you know, that helped him. Um, they should know that when they do the IP, um, whatever the they want or whatever they think they want, write it down and ask for it. Can't hurt, you know, to ask for it. That's really good advice. And what, obviously he, you know, Austin went to college, got his master's degree. He's still doing great things, but can you talk a little bit to the parents about what to look for if your if your son or daughter is is applying to to college what's what was that process like what can what can they learn from that how was it different was it different at all than you know getting him into westmark was it better worse it was interesting and I, I, again it's uh, a thing about having deeper pockets and having lovely family members and also austin got some scholarships, which really helped, you know, academic scholarships, but um, he got into some UCs, but when we went there, the campuses were so big and the, um, the departments that would help him were just not 
I could see they weren't equipped and, 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 and they were too far away for me to be going and helping. So he ended up at smaller schools. He went to Loyola and then he went to USC and you know how that's going. So unless you have, you know, a ton of help, I don't know how people do it. Um, but you want to look, I know Long Beach, um, a girlfriend of mine, a very dear friend and her, she found a great dis disability. I'm not sure if I'm saying I get, is that the right term um, for the, what Austin does, like where they help the students with disabilities? Is that the disability department or is there a new term for that? Um, it can be, I think that's an Austin question. It, uh, it, can, it can be, be that or it can be the, correct. I don't yeah, know. Assist, no. Assistive technology. It can be a, yeah, a bunch of things. Whoever helps get your accommodations, at, at, um, I can say that UC Long Beach is a really good for this area. Well, you're not in this area, but for the area I'm in, they have a, that's a really good, more affordable school with a very good department for ensuring that um, their, their needs are met. So we had a really bad experience at Domingo um, um, College, uh, UC Domingo, I think it's called. So it just depends, you know, um, the parents should really go and check out the school and ask a lot of questions in the department that whatever it's labeled, that, that's going to meet their kids' um, accommodations. And another thing is when you do get, um, start applying for colleges, you're gonna, you're gonna have to have a quite recent um, uh, psych out, psychological evaluation for your accommodations to stick in college and follow you through. And at my school, everyone had really deep pockets and there were certain doctors that would write anything the parents wanted to say for the right amount of money. And I was appalled that there were people like that. And I was lamenting to someone at the school who worked at the office about how that was kind of despicable. And I wanted to know what Austin really needed, not extra, not pay someone. I didn't want to spend the money. And she said, go to UCLA or, you know, any top college and go to their um, department, their psych department, and they have psych ed evaluations a heck of a lot cheaper. They don't cut corners, but they, they're, you're not buying anybody. And they're overseed by some, you know, very vetted professor who's got a doctorate and really looks at it and we had we had um, phenomenal results getting his um, uh, psych ed evaluation in high school there that followed him all through uh, college and really served him well and even taught us because we spent with the help of family members um, like his grandparents a lot of money on these psych ed uh, evaluation reports and UCLA found things like that he had, was the worst case of facial blindness which explained why he never liked me to deviate my hairstyle and he would cry. And I was like, what's up with that? You know, I thought I was going to be a hairdresser. I didn't know what to make of it, but it turned out he didn't know who the heck I was literally when he was like five. And even now he totally has really bad facial blindness and they caught that. And he was like 17 and we had no idea. And the people who got the big bucks didn't catch it. So I urge parents who don't have deep pockets to look at the UCs for their psych ed evaluation and go to the schools that maybe um, they're not private, but you can find a good UC um, school if you really delve into it and talk to other parents and um, take your child's uh, um, accommodations. And also the kid at this point will be advocating for themselves. Of course, the parents shouldn't be doing that. Um, that was another thing that's very important is I kept saying to Austin, 
this is your job. I'm doing it, but you watch me. You learn from me because you're going to be doing this soon. And he took the ball and ran with it. Did it take several years? Yeah. It's not easy for a kid to be in a room and speak for themselves and, you know, be shot down and have to say, no, this is how I feel. I mean, it takes a while for anyone to get, it's like baby steps, but it is really important. And I would hope by the time that, and, and even through um, college, there were times where there'd be a bad setting, like he was with, um, you know, a sports team or something that partied all night. And, um, that you know he couldn't he couldn't study he couldn't sleep and then um he tried hard to lobby to get out of there and he needed a little help from me those kind of situations the parents should be aware of gotcha and and he's clearly done a tremendous job advocating for himself but I, that's really good advice to so in california for people who don't know the uc school system is really really good um i almost went to a uc school but i didn't because uh the campus, yeah, UCLA is just so, it's, it's like a mini city. It's like sprawlingly huge. And I, you know, I loved it. I wanted to go there, but yeah. Um, but there, whatever, whatever, every state, or I would hope every state, I don't know all the state schools, go to, go to, go to the best state school that's closest to you and, and your advice is tremendous. Departments are better than others at, at, at honoring your accommodations. As far as UCLA at the time, Austin did not get in, and um, he had a great, great. He had a, like almost a 4.0, and the reason he didn't get in is they explained to me with a totally straight face that he never took um, gifted program because that wasn't offered at Westmark. You couldn't be have a disability and be in a gifted program. So they didn't have that. So he didn't have the opportunity to get above a 4.0. And I hope they changed that because that really leveled the playing field for a lot of people, you know, because most people get in there have higher than a 4.0 at the time he was applying. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, and that doesn't that doesn't whatever I hope they change that that doesn't make sense but uh, oh, you know a high a good a good high especially like a, a private school like Westmark you know part of their part of their mission is to help get their kids into the best schools that they can get into it is but wasn't there and actually that's another thing if your kid is in a school like Westmark, we had one problem with a math teacher and I actually kept lobbying and speaking with the principal and other, I got other parents because the kids were all failing and getting D's in his, um, I think it was geometry, which is, and he had come from a private school teaching gifted program and thought that these kids should be able to do it. And they weren't even getting the credits for being in a gifted program. And um, I tried to talk to him nicely and he wasn't having it. And eventually, I think he lasted a year or two and he got out. I heard from parents after Austin graduated, they, they fired him or he left or whatever. But um, always be aware that if most of the class um, is not doing well, go and talk to the teacher because it's inherent on the teacher that when they're looking at grades, you know, the grade, grading curve, it should be, if most of the class isn't getting it, it's not on the class, it's on the teacher. And I think some people were a little bit um, res resident, I never say that word right, sorry. Re but, reticent. Um, reticent. You yeah. say it and then I'll go yes. <laughs> but yeah, that word, um, to um, talk to the teacher and they're just people and just say, look, you know, I'm sure, you know, the gifted program was getting it, but these kids have things standing in their way and, you know, just 
my biggest takeaway is just don't be afraid because fear keeps you from everything in life, you know, and try not to have fear of, of anything, actually. Right. Or yes, I agree so much. Or even if you, it's okay to, you know, there's a reason why we feel fear. It's okay to feel it, but don't let it stop you from Ooh, doing yeah. what, what you want to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, I think all of this is super helpful. See, you like I told you, you've been fantastic. Um, we I'll are, let you are, in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, I was pretty have, scared. Have we missed anything, Lorna, that you feel is important to tell people? Um, I just think the most important thing is to listen to your child and instill them with as much self-esteem as you can and as much love and that's the real goal and then they'll take it from there and um i i would trust your child over everyone else talking at you if they're like like i said especially bringing it back to resource and getting them out everyone around me was really angry that i wouldn't sign off on the iep and austin was adamant that he'd be better off without it he was correct and that one little parable um served me well for the rest of the time when I would listen to him, not that I never didn't listen to him, but some parents, like I said, I've seen it in an action, trust the authorities over their kid. And I think that's a shame for the most yeah. part. Yeah, or yeah, at the very least, you know, dig a little bit deeper into why your, your child is expressing that, right? Like what, what's really going on here? Are they, are they afraid? Are they trying to get out of something? Like, just dig a little bit deeper to figure out what's really happening before you make a decision. Exactly. And the other takeaway, I guess, would be because I would tell Austin this is, um, and he knows it, but I would really be hesitant to use the word I'm proud of you because I didn't want him think thinking I was proud of his accomplishments. I was just proud if he tried and failed, that's more important than the end result. And I think the words I'm proud of you can kind of get um, really tainted in a kid's mind because they think they have to succeed. And it's not that you're succeeding. I mean, I'm taking singing and I'm proud of myself. I can't sing, but I'm proud that I sang in a group. That was one of my, you know what I mean? Like just just doing something that you're afraid of uh, um, and you do it, whether you do it good or bad, if you have a fear and you overcome it, that's the main thing. And saying I'm proud of you can um, get warped sometimes in a little, a little one's mind thinking they have to succeed. And that's not really the goal. The goal is to try. Right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's so <clears throat> that's a great point. And I think my, my dad was very, he was, he was a really good father in many, many ways, but he was more of that, you know, goal oriented, you got to get the A, you got to do this, you got to, you got to, you got to achieve. And, and it was, it was in, on some level, it's important at some point in time, right? But I think that your approach is better for a lot of kids because you're you're teaching them that it's about the effort it's about trying it's not it's not always about the result and and i don't want to paint you know i'm not trying to paint a negative picture of of that part of my upbringing but it did it did also drive me to do better because i not because i was necessarily seeking approval but because i wanted to see 
what, okay, so what am I capable of if I try harder? Let's just find out, right? Or, or proving somebody wrong because they told me I couldn't do something. Well, there you go. There's some people hardwired, like my awesome dad and I were never about the A. We were about the effort. And I think something in Austin's wired differently where he likes the A. And there's, I would tell them, you know, I try and kidnap him and take the day off. And like, I go, we're going to Disneyland. You, you know, and he's like, no, we're not. Like he's just wired differently, you know? So um, there's that, you know, there's just something hardwired in you and Austin that, you know, you can't, you can tell them all he wants, just the effort, but they hear something different. And that's, that's, that's how you're wired. Yeah, yeah, but it, I'm sure it still helped him, you know, feel feel better or or because at any time any of us try something new, you know, like there you have that period where you're awkward, where you feel like I'm not good at this because you're not, you're just starting, you're just starting out, right? And it feels awkward, and you see somebody else pick it up faster than you, and then your assumption is like clearly they're better at it than me and I'm just going to stop doing this, but that's not, we all learn differently. We all have different, a different pace of learning. And we don't, I, I always like, that's my lesson is like, get comfortable, get as comfortable as you can in the awkwardness. And the more comfortable you are with that, the, the better you're going to be because then you're going to give yourself the opportunity to find out, how good you are or if you really like it or if it matters to you that's that's really true and when you're saying that i'm thinking i didn't want to come on your podcast i tried to talk you out of it like do you know what you're getting into and you were very great at you know what you do and you made me feel comfortable so thank you for that and austin had me get a board and put my goals and this was not one of them but now i'm going to put it and check it on the refrigerator so thank you for that but yeah you're right you know i was really scared and you know, I just said, I'm going to, like you said, feel comfortable being awkward. And I figured you wouldn't put this up there a bit if you didn't like it. So there you go. Well, I did like it. I hope, you know, I hope you did. And, and it was, this is going to help people. I think your, your generosity, your lessons, your advocacy, and, and you still help, you still are willing to help people out. And you're just, yes, you can, I told you, you know, anyone who needs help, if you want to give them my email or phone number. Um, I would be more than happy if I can help somebody to help them. Amazing. Well, I, I think you, you are fantastic. I think your son is fantastic. It's an honor and a privilege and so special to meet new people uh, like you, you know, every week or every other week and just build these, these new relationships and connections and friendships. So thank you so much, Lorna. Thank you. And we, my son and I both think the world of you and um, this all started with me fangirling you. So you know how I feel. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Have a great day.